Welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by JSL Solutions. The Church Solutions Podcast is designed to help equip you and your church in the use of technology and other tools and services. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. And hello and welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast. And as the announcer said, I'm Phil Thompson. And And I'm Steve Lacey. And that guy, Steve Lacey. And we come to you every week with the Church Solutions Podcast. Uh, we're a tech company, and we help churches, ministries use technology, things like streaming video, mobile apps, and and other things that we invent along the way. And we also talk a lot about, since we work with ministries and churches, we talk a lot about stuff that will help uh, pastors, volunteers, key people in your organization. That's because we have a heart for the church. So that's why we do that. Right, Steve? That is correct. So what are and, we doing today? And we have a guest today, and our guest, his name is Wyman Wellman. And Wyman, thanks for being with us. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. Glad to be here. All right. So Wyman, we're going to talk today about uh, bivocational pastors and the the challenges and the rewards of, of a bivocational pastor. Wyman is one of those uh, people. He is uh, the lead pastor at Shine Church, which is uh, what just outside of New Orleans, right? Yeah, we're about uh, 40 minutes north of New Orleans on the other side of Lake Pontchartrain. All right. And then uh, he's the lead pastor there, but he also is involved in lots of other things. He's got a lot of experience in social media marketing as a consultant. He's been an associate pastor. Uh, He's been a director of IT services for uh, uh, different clinics out there. And so uh, lots of experience doing things, I guess you would say, kind of outside the ministry realm, although... Uh, you know, you can see that as ministry as well. So uh, that's where we're going today. So uh, if you are bivocational as a pastor, or um, perhaps you have somebody that you, maybe your pastor is bivocational. My pastor is actually bivocational. And as I've said here a number of times, I, you know, streamingchurch.tv is is my gig, but I also do a little part-time gig at my church as well. So we're glad to have you here, Wyman. Uh, Thanks again for being with us. Yeah, glad to be here. And you know, uh, you mentioned challenges and rewards. Wait, there are rewards. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's funny you say bivocational. Uh, one of my lines used to be, you know, bivocational indicates that both pay me. Uh, for a long time, I uh, I pastored for free and uh, worked in a vocation. So uh, it's only you know more recently that I've been, I guess, technically bivocational. Okay, well. Uh, let's just jump right in on this. Okay. So, uh, is, so how can I phrase this? Uh, for some pastors being bivocational is a choice. Uh, and for some pastors it's, it's a necessity and, Mm -hmm. and some people like like it. It's a philosophy that, that many, that many pastors embrace. You know, they, they don't want to take a large salary at the church. Uh, so they, they, they want to be bivocational and then, in some cases, if you're doing a church plant, you have to be. Uh, so what say ye about all that stuff? Where are you at on all that? Right. Yeah. So I think it's important to understand your calling and understand why you're doing it. Some of the things you you point out, am I here for a season or or is this my my permanent calling? Am I here out of necessity or is this a, a, a temporary role? And, you know, it's a calling uh, just like full-time ministry is a calling. And God, when he calls us to something, usually calls us to things that are a bit uncomfortable, uh, that challenge us. They're not necessarily things that even though uh, he gifts us to 
uh, flow in certain lanes, if you will. You know, sometimes the gifting doesn't show itself till you're in the middle of it. And, and there's a, you know, a lot of uncomfortableness sometimes associated with, with what God calls us to do. Uh, but, you know, there, there's kind of almost this division of these two camps in ministry of, you know, full-time versus bivocational. I think the important thing to understand is neither one is second best. Right. You know, uh, Paul at times was bivocational. He was a tent maker. Uh, there were times when he was a fully supported missionary. There were times where he stayed at a church and was supported. He did. He did all of them uh, for a season. And uh, so there's on the, the the side of full time ministry. And I've done that. I've been in that as well. Uh, on the side of full time ministry, there's almost this idea like the the Bible guys are kind of they're, they're not quite real pastors, you know, kind of thing. And, and then on the Bible side, there's kind of this prejudice against full time, like you can't change the world from behind a desk, right? You know, you're, you're just sitting there taking money. And I think it's important on both sides to understand that, that neither one is second best. Uh, both of these are a calling, you know. Yeah. And one of the pieces of that is, I mean, you know, I'm not a pastor, but you're your your calling your your business your job is your ministry as well so yeah. there's and i know our pastor and maybe i don't know how you react to this or not but i know that 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 our pastor he's been a full-time pastor he's always been a full-time pastor i guess um as well but uh he'll get he talks about um he loves to play golf and so he got paired up with you know just some random foursome and, and going out and playing golf He's really hesitant. You know, everybody's going, oh, so Joe, what do you do? Oh, Mary, what do you do? And uh, he's really hesitant to say that he's a pastor. So he, and I'm not sure why that is. I think he thinks that people will treat him much differently than if he was, you know, a plumber or a banker or, a, you know, says that there's not going to be any throwing of clubs and cussing on the course with him, with the pastor in the group. So... Yeah. yeah, it's amazing when uh, you know you're in the secular world, and then then people find out you're a pastor. Their their whole demeanor will change. Sometimes one minute they they're cussing like a sailor, and the next minute they, you know they, they, it just completely flips the script. You know, but I think that uh, you know there's a idea there. There are two ways to look at a job as bivocational. You can look at it as it is a a necessary evil, it's an interruption to your ministry, or you can look at it as an opportunity to do more ministry, right? right. And I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, maxim wanting to maximize your time in your lane. That's what every everybody wants to do. But if every pastor wants to do is maximize their time in their lane. If you are a, a teacher, right, primarily Bible teacher, man, you want to spend time in the church, teaching the Bible, teaching class, doing this thing. But if you are, say, an evangelist, you want to spend more time out there around lost people. You're comfortable. So I think a part of it is knowing yourself, knowing your giftings, uh, knowing what your lane is and saying, all right, why does God have me here? Is there an opportunity to do something in some way to further my ministry uh, rather than to look at it as this is a, a an imposition and I just want to get to full time ministry? Yeah. I think that's a good attitude to have. So, so what are your? Let's talk a little bit about we we mentioned at the top of the podcast here rewards and frustrations, and uh, let's talk a little bit about the frustrations though, because even though 
you know, attitude is everything. And, you know, you definitely, you can go into it with a good attitude saying, yeah, this is, I like this. This is what I'm doing as a bivocational pastor. But there's got to be times, right, where you feel like, ah, oh, wish I had a little more time to do this, or I wish this didn't interfere. I mean, do you experience that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's definitely challenges with it. Uh, and it's it's not for everybody. And, uh, you know, there are specific areas of attack, I think, as ministers we come on, under, and that's no exception for bivocational. Uh, those would be, you know, I find the enemy usually tries to attack you in ministry, either your health, your family, your finances, or your faith. Right. That's what, and I guess health, I could say fitness to keep with the F theme, right? Your, your mm -hmm. fitness, your family, your, your finances and your faith. And, and, and so whatever, wherever the, the crack and the weakness is, if you're you're burning the candle at both ends, you know, maybe he's going to attack your health. If you are not setting boundaries to protect time with your family, maybe he's going to attack that. Your, uh, you know, your Bible, usually the church isn't paying you very much and not many benefits, but being a, a pastor Bible can also hinder your career advancement on your secular career. So it could attack your, your finances and you'd be spread so thin the church isn't growing, you know, he'll, he'll attack your faith. Why are you doing all this? So, yeah. and I think all ministry, everybody in ministry goes through those same attacks, but I think uh, in some ways they're, they're a little um, amplified those specific areas for, for Bible pastors. Yeah. So, one of the things, the challenges I would assume, and maybe you've got some tips for this, would be um, you got ministry and then you have your, you know, your day job or whatever you call it. Uh, how do you segment or how do you switch gears? How do you or do you segment or is that even recommended? Um, you know, do I put on my I'm at work uh, hat and then I'm I'm in ministry hat? Do I do I switch those things out? So I can get a yeah. more effective job or so, how does that work? Yeah, I think that depends partly on what we talked about, about your reason for being Bivo and also your particular side gig, if you will, your job. Uh, you know, I've known a pastor who uh, chose to be bivocational as a barista simply because it was an opportunity to meet people. That was the whole reason he was doing it, not for the income, right? You don't yeah. go be a barista for the income as a grown adult, right? But he was doing it because he was engaging with people in the community, was new in the community. Uh, I've known uh, another guy that uh, he does, uh, he's a professional musician, right? And he does that because he loves it. That's just his, his his other love, right? So so there are different reasons why. I know a guy who uh, has become uh, known as the the premier wedding pastor in his his area. Shout out to wedding wedding pastor Ed up in Maryland. But uh, he does it because he's focusing not necessarily on people in his church, but people outside the church, right? There, there are some people that my, my pastor used to say they come to church three times when they're hatched, matched, and dispatched, right? <laughs> so they come for a baptism or a dedication, a wedding, and a funeral, right? So he is reaching those people through his wedding ministry, and while it provides a, a secondary income, he's primarily doing it to reach into the community. Now, when I was doing things like being an IT director or, or, or leaving that really to go into digital marketing and things like that. I, I picked that field because I can make money in chunks instead of trading dollars for hours, right? And, and so it depends a lot on the reason. When I'm in that hat, 
there's not a lot of opportunity, to be honest, uh, you know, to, to really just kind of open up and start sharing the gospel. So, so it depends. Are you doing it to just financially support the ministry and open doors that way? Are you, or are you in it to reach more people? And so I think that has a, a big effect on how you, you segment. So what tips would you have for somebody that might be, you know, like in your shoes, a bivocational pastor, and maybe they're going through some frustration right now uh, in maybe one of those areas that you talked about, you know, faith, finances, uh, yeah. whatever. I mean, what, what kind of advice would you give them that if they're going through kind of a rough time right now? Yeah. So, I mean, the first one, and this is going to sound like kind of the, the cliche pastor answer, but, but it is the answer. The, the first one is prayer. I mean, obviously, and, you know, you have to pray even in the face of unanswered prayer, right? That, that's what real faith is. That's how you develop a strong prayer life. We have to pray even in the face of unanswered prayer and, and, and know your calling, know that you're in the will of God. That's the, the hardest thing would be, I imagine, to be bivocational and not sure if you're, you're where God wants you or not. That, that would really pull on me. I don't know that I could do it. Um, but understanding that we pray and that there are there are facts and there's truth, right? And we see the facts, we know the truth. And one day, all the facts are going to line up with his truth, right? But having the, the, the foresight to see that and to pray when, when you, you're not seeing that right now, I think would be the, the first thing. The second really practical thing, I can't stress this enough, is you have to develop leaders. You have to make discipleship a priority. Uh, there's a, a, a term that's been kind of a buzzword the last couple of years called margin, right? There's been books written and small group studies. And, and uh, you know, we talk about creating margin as far as our own time and rest and personal life. But I think we have to create margin to disciple. And uh, uh, that, that term margin for discipleship, I stole from a friend of mine. But as my pastor taught me growing up, once you use something more than three times, it's yours. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so I'm claiming that phrase now, margin for discipleship. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if you, you got to understand when you're discipling people, too, that it's OK if they don't do it the same way I would. It's OK if they're maybe not as passionate about something as I am. And, you know, spiritual maturity, First uh, John chapter 2 talks about it, talks about levels of spiritual maturity as little children, young men, and fathers, right? Not just old men, but fathers. So as we spiritually mature, we should be fathering someone else in the faith and allowing other people to take on a lot of that responsibility. So that, that's the a third one would, would be this. I would tell you that uh, every pastor needs uh, one or two friends that aren't impressed with them, right? You, you need, <laughs> I, I, I have I, lots of those. Why people. is that? Yeah, because, you know, you need, you need people where they don't want something from you as a pastor. They're not, you, you, you can let your walls down, you can let your guard down, uh, and, and you can just be, be, be friends with them. And I had a, a pastor friend years ago that I felt like, one of the main points of my ministry at that time was just to be his friend, right? And uh, he would, him and his wife would call us up sometimes. It'd be late at night. We'd be winding down, ready for bed. He'd say, hey, you want to go grab a burger? And we made it a point to never tell him no. So 
maybe somebody listening to this, you're not a bivocational pastor, but you know somebody who is, and maybe one of the best things you can do is just be that friend for them, that friend that can just be real. They don't have to be a pastor. They don't have to be whatever they are at work, right? Because most people, they, they come home from work, they get a break, right? Or they're pastoring, they come home, they get a break. When you're bivocational, there's not a lot of that break time. It's naps between jobs a lot of times yeah. is life. So, uh, you know, that, you know, friendships are important. Uh, another thing would be taking breaks. You, you got to take breaks. You got to set boundaries for, for your health and for your family time. Uh, you know, I, I recently picked up from uh, another pastor something called the 777 rule, which he said uh, every seven days, him and his wife have a date night. Every seven weeks, they take a night away, and every seven months, they take a legit vacation, right? So uh, finding ways to take a break. I just actually recently got back from last week. Uh, I went to a, a retreat center uh, for pastors. For, for I spent six days there. It's completely free, which is great. They, uh, they, they cover your meals, your housing, your everything, and it's meant to go just get alone with God and have prayer. Uh, so finding something like that, uh, I'm a believer in, in sabbaticals. I would say about every five years or so, pastor ought to take, you know, a month probably isn't long enough, probably more like three months right. uh, or so. So, but finding what works for you in, in, in the breaks. Yeah. Where was that place you went to on the retreat? I went to one, but it was in Colorado. Yeah, this was in uh, Cachada, Louisiana. It's called Abbey Lane. And okay. uh, they're uh, getting ready to open up a couple other locations in uh, Texas and Mississippi. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great, great place. Yeah, those are good. Those are good things. We, uh, I, I did one when I was making a decision to come. Uh, I was, I actually helped to start a church in Kansas. And when we were making a decision to come back here, I went on a little retreat in Colorado, and it was really very helpful uh, for my wife and I. Very fruitful. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. Right. Awesome. So you, I assume you schedule your, you got to make it a priority and stick it on the calendar and take a day off and take every yeah, seven yeah, weeks absolutely. off. Or... You got to schedule those things. You got to protect those yeah. things. Uh, you know, Sunday for, for pastors is a work day. So, you know, right. I, I generally, you know, have throughout the year, sometimes it's been Monday, sometimes it's been Friday. Right now I'm doing Tuesdays just for various reasons, but it's important to take that one day and say, you know what, I'm going to protect this. And I've heard pastors say, oh, you know, my, my, my congregation wouldn't let me do that. My board wouldn't let me do that. No, they'll, you, you can condition people. If you <laughs> let them infringe on that time, they will. Yeah. Uh, but if you are pretty, you know, unless, unless someone is dying, you know, I, I pretty much block that time out for my family. Yeah. So, and you, you kind of hinted at it as well, but there's, I mean, there's family emergencies, there's um, things going on that, you know, well, let's, let's call the pastor. Well, the pastor's at work on his other job right now. Right. So you're saying, well, then, you know, I've raised up, you know, I've got a, some elders or some real disciples that I've, I've led and they say, you know, elder, you know, our chief elder can take care of this because Wyman can't get to it right now. 
I assume that does that come into a play a lot or? Yeah, yeah, you have to. Number one, you have to, you know, set expectations and just communicate with people and let them know, you know, uh, is one side of it. And the other side of it is, yeah, you know, training and, and having other people that can handle the things you don't. Because, yes, ministry is 24 7, right? right yeah. and, and you also have to, you know, take that into consideration when you're considering being BIVO. Uh, you know, having a job that is going to be conducive to your 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 ministry. One of the reasons that I left uh, the IT world and went into things like social media marketing, digital marketing, was because I, I was at the hospital and at medical clinics. You know. 50, 60, sometimes more hours a week, right? Uh, and it wasn't very conducive. I was also an associate pastor putting in 30 plus hours at the church. And uh, I literally went through about six months where I had a, a respiratory infection, very ill, that never went away. And after six months of that, I said, all right, something's got to give. And I began to have to have to make some different choices. I began to have to, uh, you know, implement other leaders in the ministry. And I began to have to set boundaries with my mm -hmm. secular job and ultimately ended up leaving there and doing something else uh, for my secular work because it, it just wasn't conducive. So, you know, you have to set those boundaries, you have to communicate and, and you have to kind of evaluate how are these things going to work together. Yeah. Um, so we got a couple more minutes here and you touched on this, but I want to go a little deeper with it. So if you're a, a volunteer, you know, a, a key member of a church and your pastor is, you know, bivocational or, or your associate pastors, uh, what kind of tips can you give the volunteer? Because uh, and I, I really understand this pretty fully because, I again, I work with a guy who is bivocational and uh, uh, it can be frustrating because there's things that he he has to do certain things that if he can't get it done, you know, it just kind of bottlenecks everything. So uh, on the other side of the coin, what, what, what tips would you give somebody like a volunteer that has to work with somebody that's bivocational? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say that I said, yeah, number one is pray for your pastor a lot. Uh, number two, I said, be, be willing at sometimes to just be a friend. Uh, don't always just need something. Uh, you know, and, and if you're coming with a problem, you know, maybe come with a proposed solution. Uh, you know, it, it be willing to help work on those things. Uh, you know, and so, uh, just a real big part of it is understanding and having realistic expectations of your pastor. And if what your church needs is a full-time pastor, then then maybe at some point he'll be in that. But as long as your pastor is bivocational, you know, there there has to be realistic expectations. I think sometimes, you know, I did a, a couple of times in my life, I've done the circuit of, of preaching at churches and being a candidate for a, a pastoral role. And, you know, some of these churches, they post these job postings where, uh, you know, there's the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And they're like, we want a guy who's apostolic that's going to uh, empower people with their gifts and mobilize the church. And we want guy to be prophetic and we want him to be a great Bible teacher and a great evangelist. And you want him to shepherd everybody. And they want the, the pastor sometimes to be this Superman. Uh, I, I don't know anybody that could do all that except Jesus or maybe Paul. And Paul didn't even do them all at once. Right. And, and sometimes those those roles change. And I think uh, one thing that the Bible guys do uh, 
well. I don't want to say necessarily better than the full-time ministers, but I think the, the Bible guys have a better understanding of the five-fold ministry and what their specific lane and gifting is. Mm-hmm. And so having expectations that, hey, if my pastor's a great teacher or a great evangelist, maybe he's not also going to be a great shepherd, right? Maybe we need to bring somebody on the team that can do that. Uh, so so those type of things, you know, understanding. It's important on the Bible guy to understand where your deficiencies are and who you need on the team as well. So yeah, that's good stuff. And I should say, just in case he's listening, that I really do appreciate our senior pastor. And I, I do understand his frustration. I, I understand what he does. I really do. And in fact, we just met last no, night. No, he doesn't. I hear the other side. So Kevin, it's, it's, he's all putting on us. <laughs> well, now you mentioned his name. So, <laughs> so no, I, I, but it, yeah, I, and I get it. And I think what you said is true. I, it requires a lot of patience if you're a volunteer yeah. or a coworker, and it requires understanding and understanding. And, and I think the, a big key to that is communication. Uh, you know, if the guy can't get it done, you know, you just communicate, Hey, I am just overwhelmed. I can't do this. Uh, we either need to put it off or we need to get somebody else to do it. So I think communication is a key to all that stuff. So look, we're out of time. But I, I really appreciate your time, Wyman. We've been talking to Wyman Wellman. And Wyman, you know, as we've been saying here, is bivocational. And, and uh, I think you've really shared some good, some good insight uh, because there's a lot of people uh, listening to this podcast that are involved, uh, you know, with I think a number. Of, I've talked to some of our customers. We do streaming video, and many of those pastors are bivocational. So I think this is good stuff. It's good material. So if people want to get a hold of you, maybe to ask questions or something, uh, should we give them your email? What, what would be a good way to contact yeah, you? No, just wymanwellman at gmail.com is fine. Wymanwellman at gmail.com. You can you can reach him. And and look, if you forget that or something, uh, you can always uh, either back the tape up or you can just send us an email, support at streamingchurch.tv. Steve, any closing thoughts before we oh, exit? This is great. Thanks, Wyman, for being with us. Yeah, yep, glad to be here. Thanks, guys. All right, folks. Well, thank you, folks, for... Uh, your time, the privilege of your time today. Thanks for listening to to us today, and uh, we hope that we've enhanced and and hopefully brought some uh, some good stuff for you today. Uh, thanks for listening to the Church Solutions Podcast. We will catch you again next time. Take care. <laughs>